episode 26 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world of Avatar. I'm Andre. And I'm Kayla. And on this penultimate episode of our Kiyoshi Novel Recap, we will be discussing chapters 25 to 28 of FCE's The Rise of Kiyoshi. Now, before heading into the episode, we do want to warn you that this podcast will be mentioning spoilers for Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, and Rise of Kiyoshi. However, you are free from spoilers regarding the sequel novel, The Shadow of Kiyoshi, as well as any Avatar Universe comic books. Now, before we get into the recap, Kayla, how's your week been? Uh, it's been busy, uh, but that's nothing new for me. Uh, you know, senior year of college and just everything happening at once, you know, mm-hmm. it's a culmination of everything, but I'm doing pretty well. It snowed a lot today. Like, I, a lot, a lot. I've seen that. Um, I saw a video on the Barstool Sports, uh, TikTok oh, God. of, um, you know, that long steep hill I next to you place. About. Oh my God. Yes. And, it, and uh, it's, it's completely iced over. Down. Yeah, someone was inside one of those big move-in carts, like people use for move-in day, and oh was just like, sl- like zooming down the street. And, <laughs> and he, runs at into one a police point, cart. He fall. Yeah, the the cart runs into a police car. He falls out of the cart and continues to slide down the hill. <laughs> I mean, for those of you who don't live in Morgantown, the whole town is like literally like you know when like your parents like said like, well, in my day, I walked to school going uphill both ways. Morgantown is going uphill both ways. <laughs> They went to that you school. Know, yes, that's what we, it is. We, they went to WVU. That's what they're trying to tell you. Um, yeah, but we did crazy shit hill, during the winter. There was this one particular hill that is literally like, I walked up that hill maybe once or twice. It is a challenge. It is probably the steepest hill I've ever had the chance to be around. Where is and it? I thought that it's the hill, the hill where the, he's sledding down. That's a oh, freaking that steep hill? hill there. Yeah. Well, it's that, there's it's that hill, and then there's that really steep one going up into the parking garage that forks off of it. Oh, right, that one too. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, like, I'm, like the one that's the one I've actually walked up and driven up before. I never yeah. ever. You drive it up once, you never want to drive up again. You're I remember. Like, I remember walking. It was Halloween, Halloween night or something, and I walked from the mountain lair to my town home that was a new place, and that shit was rough. It's doable. It's like a 25-minute walk, but you're essentially going up the entire time. Yeah. So So that hill that goes, like, it's it's long and it's really steep. And, like, if you walk up that hill, you can literally put your hands, like, on the ground as you're walking up. Like, you don't have to bend over to touch the ground. Like, that's just how steep that thing is. Yeah, it's crazy. Thankfully, I I wasn't... The only time I was, like, downtown was when I was living there my sophomore year, but I didn't have to go down... the cats on the other side of campus. Yeah, so I didn't have to go down there very That's often good. but good for it's you a great school uh <laughs> media college is on the downtown side of things so i you know well in the before times I downtown do be downtown. sketchy though they do be sketchy do you remember that one time uh an escaped convict was running around downtown and they sniper rifle in the him middle of class yeah, in, in the, the middle, middle of, of the day and our school told us nothing <laughs> Like literally, like we just like we got like I think we got an alert or something. We Some got an alert, of alert after the guy was literally killed. Yep. Literally, like and there were snipers on top of like this business building downtown. Uh, and there's I, people I, going I, to class. Like, I wasn't. We like he's like I wasn't even that far from when like where the shooting happened. Yeah, like I wasn't that far from there. If I had walked like maybe like you know another like two blocks away, two three blocks away, like insane amount of police cars all that stuff you it know, do be just... crazy it do be crazy um <laughs> yeah. have, are you watching the um the impeachment trial happening this week i have not been watching it has there as i mean i also haven't been watching snl lately either so <laughs> except, uh, with the I've exception been... of maybe one like one or two sketches from the den from when uh you know uh oh yeah dan i watched hosted. <laughs> i don't usually watch the snl regularly but i saw dan levy was on i was like oh my god i have to um and i forgot just like kind of um how unfunny snl has become i laughed like maybe yeah. like once and it was that commercial of, of like all the gay people was like oh, it, it gets, gets better, better. Like, it gets better 10 years later kate mckinnon oh, is just God. talking about that iguana and how it's taken over her life that shit was that shit was funny that but was everything good. else i was just like I, but the I impeachment was... trial i've been watching on and off and it's uh, it's it's you know it's it's stupid um i i do remember on uh tuesday was watching it and the lawyers from trump's defense team started talking and i was like i think this guy needs to be psychologically evaluated because he was really just up there saying words and not really caring if they made any sense it was extremely 
embarrassing. I was like, are you embarrassed? How embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. So do we have any news this week, Kayla? Any news on the Avatar front? I don't think so. Is there? Did I miss it? No. <laughs> there was? I'm just Great. I'm just asking. <laughs> just to so make I was sure. like, this is a test. This is a test. Because <laughs> last time I was bummed that you got the news before I did about the tabletop game. Your eyes got and wide. Like, it was like, was like, oh my god. I forgot the answer to the question. <laughs> like, <laughs> the teacher calls on you when you're not paying attention. <laughs> That's literally what just happened right there. Anyway, so before we start our recap, we do want to let all of our lovely listeners know that if you'd like to have a little bit more of the Avatar Hour in our life, and you'd like to hear more of our dulcet tones during the week, <laughs> we offer a lot of bonus content over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast. You can sign up for as little as $1 a month, and you can earn a shout out on the show and look at what we plan for our episodes each month. And again, that is patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast. Alrighty. All right. So let's just get into it. Um, let's go. I, I, I'm going to tell you here, right here, right now. I know we still have four chapters left. I think these four chapters are probably the best in terms of emotional payoff and narrative payoff. And that's still, again, with four chapters left, but I'm really there's excited. Of loose, there's still plenty of loose ends to be tied up, but like the set, like it was so satisfying getting some of those like beats yes. that we got in, these, in this section. Yes. So let's just get right into it. I'm really excited to talk about oh, it. So go, chapter go, go, go. 25, the raid. So this entire chapter is just the raid on Governor Tay's mansion. Um, Rongi Wonga and Karima run towards the palace as Lek takes out the guards by bending stone bullets at them. And this is really cool because it it also says that they all have the exact same makeup on. So it's really fucking cool. Um, and he's basically he's just using like a sling to take out like guards on like the posts of the palace and it's really cool. Um, so they're like trying to sneak in and then all of a sudden there's a horn that blasts from the south side of the mansion um and, it, and it's from the dao face forces so we got we've got them uh infiltrating one side of the mansion and mock and the dao face troops on the other side of the mansion um, they're considerably less subtle about it <laughs> considerably yeah and like it's kind of like all right well our our cover's blown we gotta keep we gotta get moving um so kiyoshi and lago split off from the rest and race towards the fight between tay's guard and the rest of the dao Fei. and then very suddenly we get a flashback I did not know that this was a flashback when I was first reading it. I was like, wait, Me what's neither. happening? But <laughs> it is a flashback. So we actually flash back to chapter 23 when Kiyoshi returns from that trip with Lauga and finds Karima and Ranga discussing strategy. I think the reason I didn't register it as a flashback is I didn't read that scene as like being left off mysteriously. But I went back and read it and it definitely was written to be like, there's more to this conversation, but we just cut away from it. Um, so Kiyoshi tells, tells them that they have to make sure that everyone inside the mansion remains safe during the raid, but they have to do it without completely, like, obliterating Mok's men. Um, Karima breaks it down, and she, like, runs through what Kiyoshi's saying, and she says, so we're supposed to break into the mansion, prevent casualties on both sides, and rescue the prisoner, and do that all at the same time. And Kiyoshi's like, mm-hmm, yep, yep, that's what I said. I said <laughs> what I said. Um, and then Ragi says that their plans need more benders than the small team that they have by themselves. And then Kiyoshi then asks her what she would do if they had an avatar on their team, which is a really cool fucking line. The confidence, the, you know, and, you know, the power behind it, as we see mm -hmm. in this chapter, like, I love it. That is You're growth. doing great, <laughs> sweetie. Back to the battle, Kiyoshi bends a giant trench into the ground as the fighting continues to slow down the Dalfei. And then her and Lauga meet up again with Karima, Wong, and Rongi. Um, powered by the full moon, actually, Karima and Kiyoshi raise a giant, like, blob of water from the mansion's pond. And they use it to flush out the guards inside of the palace. Which was really cool because I don't think we'd, we never really saw some of the training with Kiyoshi and Karima. So this is really cool. And the way it describes her... Um, shifting her technique from an earthbender to a waterbender and like how it talks about like shifting her gravity and like really feeling the influence of the moon. It's just the descriptions of of details. <laughs> what what the bending feels like to the bender is really, really insightful. 
Um, Again, this is, what, this is one of the many great things about having a book and a different, it's a different way of experiencing this world. Like you in the show, you know, you're kind of de- a little bit detached from the narrative because, you know, it's a show. But in the book, you are thrust right into the action. You feel, you know, that, you know, like that way yeah. of, you know, bending and things like that. And it's just so cool. Yeah. And again, and again, the way it's written, it's very easy to kind of like feel that as well. It's very visceral. Um, and then as Kiyoshi checks that all the guards are still alive, a soldier suddenly charges her with a spear, catching her off guard. And she tries to pull out her war fans, but she's like really clumsy about it. She doesn't get to it in time. And then suddenly a stone bullet comes out of nowhere and knocks the guy out. And uh, Kiyoshi knows that Lek must be somewhere off in the tree line in the dark, smiling to himself that he just managed to shape, save Kiyoshi. Um, I didn't t- t- touch on this earlier, but uh, SCE makes a point of saying that Kiyoshi was actually really um, impressed with Lex's ability to throw those stone bullets with such so precision accurate. and accuracy that it, it reminded her of Yun. Um, well, and- we'll see more about that stone Tough, this the stone shooting technique in a later chapter, but yeah, it kept, yeah, it kept mentioning how she. Impre- I'm like, and then I read that chapter. I was like, oh, okay, got it. Um, yeah, put a pin in that. Mentioned a few times. It means it's important later. <laughs> exactly. Um, so Kiyoshi and Karima meet up with Lauga, and they split off again, and they rush towards the thing that Kiyoshi has been doing this entire time, which is the assassination of Governor Tay. Um, they find a group of servants crowded around the iron safe room. So essentially, Governor Tay has a uh, basically locked himself inside and just kind of left the rest to their own devices. Wow. But um, Lauga tells them that they can leave and that they, they live another day, you know, and Kiyoshi begins to melt the lock using firebending, which is again, really fucking cool. Um, so Kiyoshi and Lauga enter the safe room to find a bunch of pillows and wine rather than proper supplies for someone to hate, hide out in. And Kiyoshi says that, you know, if someone were to camp out here for a couple of days, they would be dead. Um, but instead of Governor Tay, they find a boy hiding in the corner, and we actually find out that he is Governor Tay. Um, and Kiyoshi is obviously shaken at the prospect of having to potentially kill a 15-year-old boy. And Lauga apparently knew that Governor Tay was a 15-year-old boy, and he's basically doing this to see if she has the guts to kill a 15-year-old boy. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, so he encourages to like finish the job, and he says that uh, Governor Tay is the same age as Lek, and therefore old enough to know right from wrong, and old enough to be held accountable for his actions as governor. And then he says, "You know, you're not much older. Are you free from consequences?" So it's very much like it's a, a it's again this whole play on morality and and like who really has the power to decide all this stuff, right? Um, and then. Kiyoshi picks the boy up who as at this point he's begging for his life um and then Kiyoshi tells him that what she's going to do next was something she decided on doing long before she knew his age and then suddenly she whips around and blasts Laga down the hall with airbending and I like did you not get the same feeling when uh like reading this and then seeing Cora Airbin for the first time. Yes, I was just about to mention that. That's it's, exactly it, what I, I have I was the exact thinking. same feeling. I was like, you better work, you fucking whore. I love <laughs> this. And then we get another flashback. flashback so there's time. more to, to, to the story. So um we're back to the day before the day before Kiyoshi starts waterbending uh and like training with Karima and then Rongi is like attempting to try and lead her in this like airbending exercise and Koshi's like how are you okay with like you know doing this like botched self-taught airbending and she said you know it's better than than waterbending first and then doing damage to the elemental cycle and she makes a, a really good point that she's scared that if Kiyoshi doesn't bend the elements in the correct order then she might accidentally lock out an element or two which is not something that I ever considered would be a danger to an avatar. And I have to imagine that this must have happened at some point to an avatar in order for Rongi to kind of like consider it be, as a threat. You know that, what I mean? Yeah. Be that so, concerned or like a superstitious or something, you know? And that's really scary. And I mean, obviously we got a little bit of that that prospect in Korra, even if it, were for, even if it was for a little bit, but it kind of raises the question, like if Kiyoshi accidentally locked out those elements 
Like, is is the ability to bend all four elements the thing that makes that person an avatar? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's an interesting question, though. It's hard hmm. because I, Uncle Iroh would say that you would need to bend... If you're going to bring balance to the world, then you need to have the balance of all four elements. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like a kind of a symbolic thing, but... I don't know what would happen in that case. Like, would just would society just completely turn on that person and be like, you can't bend all four elements. You're not the avatar. You know what I mean? Hmm. Interesting, interesting stuff to think about. Interesting questions. Um, but yeah, so they're doing this training exercise, and then Rangi says that she really misses Kelsong, which is really sad. Um, and she wishes wishes that they could have more time with everyone that they've lost. And Kiyoshi kind of like hugs hugs her from behind. Uh, to try and like de-stress her and like comfort her and as they embrace a gust of air starts blowing around them kicking up leaves and Kiyoshi remembers how Kelsong used to do this to her as a kid to make her laugh and she like kind of reaches out and the gust of wind like propels faster in response to her so she's airbending in this moment and she said it says that she feels as if Kelsong was smiling down on them and she reminds Rangi that those they have lost will always be with them and uh, when I tell you I was tearing up, like the feelings, like I think we we said a, an episode or two ago how like you're really starting to feel the absence of Kelsong in the in the idea that she doesn't have anyone to teach her airbending. You know what I mean? So it, it creates mm-hmm. a very noticeable absence uh, absence in the narrative. But this little moment between them and reminding, especially Kiyoshi being the one to remind Rangi that, you know, the ones that love us never really leave us, you know, which is, again, mm-hmm. very, you know, but it's so pure and sweet and I love it. Like, um, I mean, like the, fa- like the fact that she kind of like did like a mini flashback to like when, you know, he would do those little airbending tricks to make her laugh, like. Here's the thing, we didn't even know Kelsong for that long in the grand scheme of the book. He's only in the book for, like, what, like, maybe eight or ten chapters, maybe less? Yeah, like nine or ten chapters. You can still feel his impact, and we love this character. We only got to know him for a few chapters, so... Well, we we, even after his death, we we continue to learn more and more about him, not just through Kiyoshi, but also through Jinju, who, even though he was the one that killed him, still feels a level of remorse about it, you know? So, I don't know, it's very interesting, but it, it it is very impressive that FCE was able to continue the legacy of this character without him actually being in the story after his death. But he, you know, he kind of lives in Kiyoshi because he taught her all of these values and beliefs. And it's the reason why she thinks the way she does, you know, um, it's going to make it even more interesting though, when uh, she eventually, uh, when the inevitable, you know, confrontation happens between her and Jinju, you know, at this point, you know, she hasn't seen him since Kelsong's death. So, mm-hmm. you know, just, just more things to add to this, like, steadily mounting tension. There's some tensions that resol- that kind of get resolved in this, but also just, like, there's still more, 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 more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so then we cut back to the action, and Kiyoshi is... She, she's hauled Governor Tay over her shoulder as Lauka is thrown into the vault, and she just speeds away. And then she, out of nowhere, successfully dust steps onto the roof of the palace... And Lauga, he's, like, calling after her and saying, oh, you're full of deceptions. Like, I bet all those times you were pretending to fail at dust stepping. And I'm like, well, I w- it, she, uh, Kiyoshi says, well, I wasn't uh, pretending all the time. Like, some of, it, some of it was actually genuine. But this is really cool because this is, this is an ability that we've, we've been seeing been used uh, a couple of times. And it's really cool to see Kiyoshi start to be able to do it, too, and, like, kind of cement her identity as uh, part of the Flying Opera Company. Um, it's also just like seeing like her development like in her training even though we don't get didn't get to see like a lot of it uh mm-hmm. we do see bits and pieces of it it's just so satisfying to see that come together you know as someone who couldn't even like who barely earth bend small things at the beginning of the chapter yeah uh and couldn't really stand up for herself either is now you know <laughs> helping well, to here she is bending the ele- all of the elements bending right all four elements uh you know facing off you know, you know, kind of facing off against a notorious assassin and, you know, also like, uh, you know, ra- leading a freaking Daofei raid, you know, like helping, you know, helping to lead one, I should say, while trying to minimize casualties and all that stuff. Like, good for her. Yeah. <laughs> so many things going on. That's really good. Um, So she reaches the stables and mounts Tay on an ostrich horse and 
Kiyoshi warns him that if he doesn't change his ways and start feeding the people of the village, she will come back and basically assassinate him. Um, and then Tay asks if she is the Avatar because he saw her Earthbend and Airbend. And Kiyoshi admits it and says that it's even more reason for him to take her threat more seriously. And then he sends, uh, she sends him on his way. And this is one of the events that happened in these four chapters and i'm just like this to me is raising a huge flag for jinju to see because i the the one person outside of of you know team kiyoshi that knows she's the avatar has just ran off into the wild and we know that jinju knows governor tay and he is in the vicinity (laughs) so um uh, things are starting to get a little, you know, a little crazy. It's getting I crazy didn't even up think here. about that. I mean, I knew eventually he would find her, but like, this is how he finds her. Oh yeah. I don't like the ambiguity of this of this character that Jinju knows just running off stage <laughs> into God knows where. I don't like it at all. Um, yeah. So adds. Lauga catches up to Kiyoshi as she makes her way back to the rendezvous point with the others, and he tells her that he is disappointed in her as his apprentice, and that this is the first he has uh, not been capable of taking out a target. Like his, he says, like his pride is hurt, um, and he warns Kiyoshi that whatever Governor Tate does now is completely her responsibility. And so this was the point where I was just like, I still do not know <laughs> how to feel about Lauga. Because he seems like he seems like someone who could just turn around and kill Kiyoshi out of nowhere. And she even says as much in the book. But he has the demeanor of just like a slightly disappointed grandpa. So it's very and I I feel like there's gonna be a large turning point with this character either in this book or the next. Still got four chapters, a lot could happen. But I'm just like the way it was the the way it was written and how it said that his tone was like he, she couldn't read it like it it i don't know it was just giving me very bad vibes i don't know yeah i don't i mean a lot a lot happened in these four chapters so i just imagine the last four chapters we're just going to be like yanked by our heartstrings through an emotional roller coaster <laughs> like yeah so okay. and well also i wanted to talk about this as well um mm-hmm. About how he warns Kiyoshi that whatever to, whatever Tay does now is completely her responsibility. Is it? No. Not really, because he's all, he's a human being with his own free will. You know. I mean, yeah, yeah. she could have. And but here's the thing: she could have killed him. But who would come next? There'd probably be another person who's even worse. Like at least, you know, Tay is a 15 year old kid. There's a chance. Like I think Kiyoshi said something like, he has a chance to change his ways. Yeah. You know they probably would have replaced him with someone who is probably just as bad or worse, you know? Yeah. I was like, well, yeah, she can't, she can't control what he does next. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I think it's, it's, it kind of, I don't want to talk about it now because it's your, it's your chapter, but um, we'll get into it. Um, So they meet up with the others and they have successfully rescued the prisoner and Rangi congratulates Kiyoshi for her bending performance, almost, almost saying she felt like an avatar, but she didn't want to say it in front of the prisoner because they don't know who he is. Um, So they meet up with Mok, who is furious that they diverted away from their agreed upon plan and Karima assures him that it was a necessary last minute improvisation, Um, which is, you know, half, half true. Um, The prisoner agrees. The best lies are half true. Yeah, the prisoner greets Mock and Mock acknowledge him, acknowledges him as his big brother. And they're hugging and the prisoner keeps saying, eight years, eight years. It took you eight stinking years to come and rescue me. And he's like choking Mock at this point. And he makes him <laughs> apologize for not rescuing him sooner. And of course, this gives Kiyoshi real bad vibes like a like alarms start going off in her head if he's someone who can strangle like one of the most powerful people in the room you know yeah that definitely shows that he's a scary person we think Unc- uncle mock is like all hot shit until this happens and you're like oh no so um, there's someone worse <laughs> so they're trying to leave but the prisoner encourages them to stay so that they can celebrate their victory he's very um polite to them and like thanks them for rescuing him from prison right 
And then he then turns himself, turns to the Dafe and announces, announces himself as zooping on. And Kyoshi, again, immediately starts panicking because she's trying to remember where she's heard this name before. And the sun is like rising dramatically behind them, which is the book's own words, not mine. Um, as he's giving this big speech to the Dafe and promises to invoke violence against the Earth Kingdom. He then asks for his colors because he says he feels naked without them. And then Kiyoshi watches as members of what she knew as the Autumn Bloom fasten yellow scarves around their necks, exposing them as the infamous group of yellow necks. Those of you who don't remember, yellow necks are the P- are the ones that Jinju buried in that landslide, right? Those yellow necks, that's yep. what it was? Great. Yep. I, have, I pay attention to details. <laughs> yep. The yellow necks from the Battle of Julu Pass... And they have not gone away. They have simply just been masquerading under another name. And this was like a big like dun 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 moment. And I was just yeah. like, I, I even said out loud, like, I was like, the oh, yellow no. necks? Because <laughs> it doesn't no. say at the end of the chapter. Like, it just says that they fasten yellow scarves around their necks. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. Um, mm-hmm. Which it, I, I read back that whole passage from when he starts giving that speech and the way Asigi writes, like the the, not only the tension but the air of of panic that Kiyoshi is feeling because she knows this name, she knows it's not a good name either, and then her reaction as they like completely expose themselves as Yellow Knight is like it's really good the way it's written. Yeah, that's all I got to say. <laughs> so chapter twenty six, the challenge. Um, Team Kiyoshi starts panicking and uh, Rangi says that it is their fault that Zoo is free. They are the ones that broke him out. They are the reason why the Yellow Necks are back. And she says it's she doesn't know how he's alive. She's read the battle reports and it says that Jinju killed him. Um, and she says that if he makes his return more public and you know word starts to spread, more Yellow Necks could come out of hiding and they could return to the dark days that followed Kurik's death. Um, and uh, Karima on one hand is just ur- they just she's urging them to leave she knows that this guy is completely crazy he thinks he's the governor of some completely made up world named Pondimu or something and sounds very qanon to me um, mm. and he's like she's like this guy is completely insane we have to leave Lauga then pointedly asks Kiyoshi what they should do, seeing as she is now the authority over life and death. Um, and she thinks about how, just like not 30 days ago, everyone was talking about how she was the weakest link of their group, and now she's suddenly calling all the shots. Um, and ultimately, she decides to take the earthbending philosophy of neutral Jing and decides that they should just wait to see what happens. And you're like, okay. And <laughs> funnily enough, I've... I, I saw this, I was like, maybe I'm not an earthbender at heart because waiting to see what happens is not in my nature whatsoever. Like, I, co- I completely plan ahead as far as I can. I never, like, try to wait and see what happens. So uh, as I read that, I was like, I don't know if this is going to turn out well. I don't know. Yeah, um, it's taking, like, all of my strength to just go, like, just start speed reading through the chapters. Like, is it going to be okay? Is everything going to be Okay. <laughs> It's taking all of self-control here. <laughs> they track the yellow necks from the sky on Ping Ping and watch as uh, the yellow necks begin to run through a field of rice crops towards a small house. And Kiyoshi curses herself because she was so busy thinking about the people in the mansion that she didn't realize that there are people very close to the mansion that could also be in danger. Um, and she wants to go down there and help. And Karima says that if she goes, they go. And Rangi thanks her and tells the group that they are true companions of the Avatar, to which Karima blushes a little bit. So Aww, I really love Team that Avatar. They <laughs> went from that Shershu attack where they kind of left Kiyoshi in the dust, literally, because they were dust stepping away from the situation, <laughs> to now yep. being like, we are going down with you and we are going to fight with you if you want us to. And I just love this found family found dynamic family. we're queer we love found family dynamics okay i love it so much i'm s- uh, i love it um you just love so, a good team avatar moment no matter what generation it is you know the next gen the next gen team avatar you know or exactly gen, exactly something gen previous whatever gen? number gen <laughs> previous yeah. gen previously on <laughs> team avatar gen whatever number it is at this point <laughs> 
So they're spinning towards the house where Zoo has captured the family, and they see a mother and son that are bloodied and beat up, and they look for the father, and they see that he's hanging over a burning cauldron of boiling water, and it says, like, his his toes are dipped in, and he's, like, literally screaming in pain. While Zoo is just, you know, off of the corner, nonchalantly reading a book, and instead he's, like, combed his, his hair and, like, trimmed his beard or whatever, and uh, presumably with the items inside the house, which, gross. Um, and Kyoshi runs forward and kicks the cauldron of water over, to which Zoo says that she's ruined his tea. And it's I'm just like, still. okay, we get it. You're the bad guy. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So like, it's such a, it's such a like right? James Bond villain thing to say. I don't know. It's very the white cat to be stroking as you know, either reading the book. As exactly, a, very know. mustache twirly. Um, but Kiyoshi tells him to let the family go. To which Zeus says that the man is an abider who has employed, who was employed by the people who threw him in prison, and therefore must pay. Um, and if that she, if she has a problem with it, then she's really not going to like what, what they're going to do to the town of Zegon. And he says that he obviously didn't leave a big enough impact on the world before his imprisonment. And he's definitely not going to waste this new uh, second chance that he has. And then he does this thing where he tries to like infantilize Kiyoshi and says that she's young and she doesn't understand matters like law and order and justice. And then Kiyoshi has this moment of realizing that all of these men, whether they are outlaws or corrupt government officials, they're all the same. They think that they are the only ones who know the true nature of the world and the only ones who could therefore fix all of those problems regardless of consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, Damn. <laughs> and then Zoo then orders Wei to kill the mother, but then Kiyoshi screams at them to stop. And Wei, ever since she's crushed his fingers, has been <laughs> a little hesitant as of late. Um, she then points at Zu and challenges him to fight her on the Leitai. Zu says that Leitai challenges are to settle conflicts and asks how he offended her, to which Kyoshi responds that he offended her by simply existing. Damn. Cue burn. the drag, ra- the drag nice. race was... burn sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> they agree to use bending and any weapons available to either of them. So as they're preparing for this, uh, Kyoshi apologizes to Rangi that she keeps getting into dangerous situations like this, but Rangi replies that it's actually okay and that this might be the first time she does her Avatar duty since they left Akoya. Um, <laughs> and then Lauga then asks her for a word with Kiyoshi. And he basically just like berates her for like wasting time on a challenge like this when she simply could have just killed him with n- right there with no time to respond. And she tries to apologize to Lauga, but he says that she is just at this point on her own um so as they prepare to duel kiyoshi tells the group that if anything bad happens to take ping ping leave and find someone with the power to stop the yellow next karima asks if uh what, what would happen if that person is jinju and kiyoshi does not answer because she's wondering if she could ever reject his help even if it is to save lives um which feels a little foreshadowy uh, <laughs> oh god i didn't even think about that like oh I, no I, I'm not I'm not gonna like make a formal prediction here, but but I that's feel like come into play. I feel like all of this like morality stuff that she's been talking about with Lauga has been subconsciously chipping away at her revenge with Jinju, and I think she's gonna have to make a pact with this man in order to save lives. Like I think that's what's gonna happen, and it'll probably be a thing of like we're gonna do this, and then we're gonna duel so I can kill you. You know, <laughs> like I feel like they're gonna have to team up very begrudgingly at some point yeah Mm. and that'll be a very interesting dynamic to see so so uh, we're almost at the end here kiyoshi gets onto the platform and drops into a fighting stance and notes that she wasn't nearly as nervous fighting tagaka as she is fighting zooping on and the duel begins and before she can attack zoo inhales his breath and then suddenly extends two fingers towards her and strikes her fans with a bolt of lightning and that's the chapter and when I tell you I was so shook, I don't I can't describe the level of shookness that I was feeling. I literally dropped the book on the floor. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And <sighs> it's like it's like the way that FCE like just like assumed Drop that we would think he's an earthbender. Like, cause we're in the Earth Kingdom and he's an earthbender. They're they're fighting on the dirt platform. Earthbender, right? No, you're wrong, wrong. 
wrong. He's a firebender. What is it with lightning benders and like, you know, stealing your hopes and dreams as the avatar gets starts to like come into their own? <laughs> exactly. You know, like, I'm, I'm seeing another foil or parallel or something. I'm seeing I'm seeing some striking similarities here. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is really interesting. We'll, we'll talk more about the lightning in the, the next chapter, but we do have to take a small break, but we will be back for chapters 27 and 28. Stay tuned. And we're back. Thanks for being so patient. We're back with chapters 27 and 28 of The Rise of Kiyoshi. And uh, shit was getting real before. Well, it's getting more real now. Because Kiyoshi was struck by lightning. Set by a freaking zoo just zapped her. You know, Azula style. Like, you know, like a, a avatar coming into their own. Lightning Bender has to bring him back down again. Mm-hmm. So he strikes her again and again. And she plays, she plays dead. And he's basically saying, like, we could have worked together. Basically that kind of whole thing. Like, mm-hmm. just doing this lecture thing. And he's like, because, uh, you know, the rule with this kind of style of fighting is that the winner decides when the fight's over. So he just keeps zapping her and zapping her. Rangi, meanwhile, is just, she's just begging him to stop. Um, and uh, Kiyoshi thinks that it's the chainmail in her jacket that's keeping her alive right now. As he's yeah, just, and I noticed sh- when when I was reading that, I noticed mm-hmm. that that moment in the the Ray chapter where she gets hit with the arrow is kind of like setting us up for that a little bit because it doesn't oh pierce because of the chainmail. It's like and I was like, oh, that's why they mentioned it. Yeah, it's like Mithril from Lord of the Rings, guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, a little bit i didn't make a joke about that anyway uh there's a really cool passage from the book that i want to read about this moment so she after so kiyoshi hears rangi crying out and begging him to stop it was the hopelessness in her voice that set kiyoshi over the edge the complete surrender of a girl who would have been invincible if not for her love kiyoshi had put that weakness in rangi and zu had torn it open he was torturing the person kiyoshi cared about most in the world now this is she's thinking this while she's being electrocuted guys so. Yeah, I I was like Kiyoshi, you're literally getting zapped by electricity right now, over and over again, and you're thinking about how he's torturing Rangi. That's true love, baby. That's true love. That's true love. I love it though. No, I that's why I read it out loud because it was just such a good moment. Yeah. Um, and then oh, I forgot. He said that he was torturing the person that Kiyoshi cared the most about in the world, and by every spirit of every star in the night sky, he would pay for that. Hmm. That is a raw line right there. Mm-hmm. She then grabs his ankle and like, I guess she somehow managed to transfer the electricity that he was zapping into her into him. So she yeah, grabs did his ankle. She, yeah. I was going to ask you what you thought happened there. It's very, Some it happens very quickly, but do you think she like redirection? Yeah. Did she accidentally like redirect it or. I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's both. Or is it like when like, you know, you shock someone and they can shock you back. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think she actually generated her own lightning. I I no. think it's I think she might have just accidentally redirected exactly. it or something. I don't know. Um, Either way, it's not and important. It, but yeah. I, just, I was just and either way, she managed to briefly incapacitate him. Yeah. And then she so, she describes it something like she's like you know she says that there's not tears coming from her eyes, but it's just full of light coming out. So that means we are in the Avatar state now, baby, and mm-hmm. shit's about to get even more real. Because Kiyoshi grabs him by the collar because she. So that she like briefly compliments, you know, compliments, like you know, that's the right word for it. Um, thinks about whether she should just, you know, just, just mash him into a pulp, uh, or just, you know, use all the power of the elements, which she decides to do. Uh, so she starts flying on a fucking tornado and blows the other Dalfe away, and then ends up lighting the stalks of rice in the field on fire. She then tells Zoo that there is always someone who stands above you in judgment. What will you do now, knowing that your every step will have consequences? Yeah, and there's this really cool thing in in the book and that has like bolded all of her her dialogue to kind of tell us that she's speaking in that like full avatar voice and the voices of the other people. The and it lives. even says it even says at one point that um she is like aware of all the people that are speaking through her and she can feel that some of them are not um down with what's going on like some of them are like not completely fine with how she's handling things but yeah. she's like i don't care Fuck you guys. i do I not care power. yeah this is like honestly this is like a, this is like the kiyoshi that we've seen in avatar you know like in the flashback with um yeah what's his face shin the conqueror you know when mm-hmm. you know she freaking 
Ben's Kyoshi Island. Like, this is, like, the first, you know, preview we see of that Kyoshi that we know and love from the show, you know? Yeah, and, like, just, comp- and just lighting the, the rice stalks on fire. Just a, a, sh- a sheer... Drama. A display of power and intimidation. And I'm just like, amazing. I fucking love this. This is so cool. You're doing amazing, sweetie. <laughs> yeah, Nina, the book didn't mention this, but I am actually on the ground with my iPhone filming the entire thing and cheering her on. <laughs> a la, a la Chris Jenner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. But, like, that line is so raw. Like, what will you do now, knowing that your every step will have consequences? Like, yeah, oh because the, he says something while he's zapping her along the lines of, like, I don't. I don't reap any consequences for what I do. I am the person that's going to fix everything. Blah 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 blah. And she's and like, then, "Oh well, now what will you, what will you do now?" What are you do now? Yeah. He then tries firebending at her, but to no avail. Um, and so she then like you know another Kiyoshi thought similar to what you had earlier. Both Lauga and Jinju were right in some measure. Short-sighted men like Tay and Ju were parasites. Who, who, sorry, Zoo, who were parasites who gnawed at the very structures they exploited for power and survival. They were blind to the fact that they existed not through their own merits, but due to the warped form of charity that the world had decided to give them. Like, relevant much? <laughs> like, they're literally alive because, you know, they're just, they know, they're not alive because of how great they are. They're just alive because no one had Out of sheer, that, sheer, yeah, dumb luck. Can I also just say, when he tries to, like, uh, firebend at her using, like, the dragon's breath technique, it says that all she does is slightly tilt her head and she completely redirects the fire away from her. I mean, and I'm it's just also, like, I think it's, like, a note where she says that, like, the dragon's breath was, like, the first form of firebending that she did. She's like, yeah, me now. F- full circle, mama, for a full circle. I love this. And she's just like, mm. try and do something. Uh, it's like, it almost kind of reminds me of that scene in Avatar uh, near the end where uh, it, Aang, read, um, he gets back in touch with the Avatar state and he just very nonchalantly redirects Ozai's fire away, like very easily. You know yes! what scene I'm talking about? Oh my God, yes. That's what I was kind of thinking about. I think I was done on purpose. I love that. Parallels. Parallels. Uh, and then she just let and then she just lets him drop. Just drops. Just drops too. Just Yeah. And it doesn't die. say just even, just even. <laughs> It doesn't say it's like did did Zoo just die? It doesn't say that he died, but it does say like his body gets dragged away. You're just like, yeah, yeah that bitch is dead. <laughs> she didn't even yeet him. She just dropped him like he was like, I don't know, like ragdoll. Trash. I was say just like trash you put in a trash can, but yeah. Yeah. Just drops in like a microphone drop <laughs> she then touches down to earth again and the daofei are scattering they drag away uh zoo's body she looks around for her friends and she hears it like asks like hey are you still possessed <laughs> <laughs> this is so great after that like giant moment of climax and like, drama the epic or epic orchestral music playing in the background and yeah and then she's like where are y'all and she and Lex's just like uh are you still possessed <laughs> Just could you imagine that like a horror movie like you know, like it's like or like you know like Evil Dead or something. It's like so. Are you still well, yeah, possessed? They, they don't know what the Avatar state is, you know. So yeah, to them, it looks right. like she is possessed. She kind of, and she wasn't. Really, I mean, I was gonna say kind of possessed, yes, but also no. It's yes, but but also no. Uh, yeah, it seemed she, like she was in full control of the entire time. Unlike the first time she was in the Avatar state, yeah. Yeah, very um, interesting. Kiyoshi then just says, like, look, guys, you know, fuck you guys. Come on out now. We're fine. It's all good. Uh, and then they come out of their hiding places. And Kiyoshi then realizes that she was fully aware of everything that she had done and killing Ju and everything. So maybe she wasn't really, a, you know, possessed, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, then she realizes that she scared them. And she begs them not to do this to her. And then she collapses because she's kind of taking a couple hits. Mm-hmm. Um, she is riddled with burns from the lightning bending. Yeah, it says her, her her hands are like completely burned from holding the yeah. fans because yeah, because Zoo shot bending. the lightning at the fans and it just completely burned her hands. Yeah, yeah. And then Karima yells for a healer as Lek tries to hold her up, but she passes out from the pain, and that ends chapter twenty-seven. Like, oh my god, so much happened there. That was amazing. So satisfying, delicious. So satisfying. Everything. 
this next chapter kind of brings things down a little bit. It's not quite action and excitement like it has been from the last three. But yeah, he's like, like okay, I, we need to we need to come down a little bit. We need a moment bit. to breathe. <laughs> we need a minute to breathe after all of that. That's yeah. a lot. So let's just take a minute and process this. Uh, so they bring Kiyoshi back to the village, and she originally resisted the medicine because she didn't want to feel the same way that she did when Jinju drugged her. And eventually, she gives in because she's just in that much pain. Oh, also. Sorry, I meant to meant yeah, to say this uh, in the other chapter. Um, so it says that when she touches back down to earth, the Dafei just scatter. Yeah. So that's more people that know that she's the Avatar. Oh shit! All oh. of those people, including Mock and Wei, are now oh. scattering around the Earth Kingdom, knowing that she's the Avatar. I'm just oh my saying. God, you're right. <laughs> I'm oh. just saying. <laughs> oh no. I imagine the next chapter is just Jinju hearing like full recounts of what happened, and I, I turn to the next page to see if there is more of the chapter left. And I, it literally, the first word of the chapter is Jinju. I'm like, oh, oh my no. god, yeah, he's just getting these wild ass reports. <laughs> it's like waking up, waking up in 2020. By the way, the Avatar did this. She did <laughs> yeah. this and this. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that brings us, yeah, so then, uh, so she's been slipping in and out of consciousness. Everyone's worried about her. Karima even tries healing her with the help of the earthbending healer. He's telling, you know, like, that she's telling her where to stick the healing water and all that stuff. And, like, oh, my God, they're sticking around and helping her, you know? Family. Yeah, that. yeah, very sweet. So she eventually comes around, and Lek is waiting by her bed. He tells her that it's only been three days since her fight with Zoo, and uh, he gets up from his chair to get Rangi. Kiyoshi then asks him to stay because she doesn't want to keep holding how her parents took him in and abandoned her. And he doesn't want to keep holding, she doesn't want to keep holding that over his head, you know. She kind of wants mm-hmm. to address the situation. She wants to clear the air. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. She wants to squash first, the beef. There you go. At first she's like, oh, you're really good at throwing rocks. And then she's like, oh, God, that was one of the worst ways to word it. And she then she thanks him for saving her life and then asks him how he learned to shoot rocks like that. So that pin that we put in earlier and we talked about like how accurate he was with throwing, mm-hmm. you know, with shooting stones. Here's your answer, everybody. Then this sort of traumatized look overtakes him. He asks her if he knows if she knows what a gibbet is and then goes into his tragic backstory. Um, a gibbet is a punishment in the Siwang Desert where a criminal is hung up in a cage on display as a warning to other criminals. It's a death sentence in the dry season because he died of dehydration. Lek lived in Date Grove on the streets, which is near the Misty Palms Oasis, which we see. I know we see it in Legend of Korra. I'm not sure if we see Misty Palms in other. In, yeah, we. Uh, yeah, it's Apple, an Avatar too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking. I'm sorry. I'm trying to. Yeah, that's. We'll I think that's there. where they meet the uh, uh, professor that what? takes them to the library. That's right. I forgot. Yeah. That's right. Okay. I believe. So we have it yeah. in both. We have in both shows. No, you're right. I think. Anyway, so he lived near Misty Palms Oasis with his friend, who is basically his brother. His name was Chen. Chen got caught stealing nuts, and he got put in the gibbet. Lek tried freeing him, freeing him because you know the gibbet was old and rusty, and was throwing rocks at the weak points. After a few days, his parent, uh, sorry, his parents, Kiyoshi's parents, found him passed out under the gibbet, and Chen had died a few days before they got there. Hark and Jessa, Kiyoshi's parents, took him in, and apparently he couldn't use his arm for two weeks because of how swollen it had gotten. Lex says that that, that date grove no longer exists because it was running out of water and the desert, desert storms would just swallowed it up. He says, the people of the town killed my brother to uphold the law, and it meant nothing in the end. If the law was there to protect the village, and the village didn't survive, then what did they gain? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. With these Damn. Like, last couple of chapters with like the morality and all of that stuff. Law and yeah, order, it's, all ah, stuff. It's so, it's so delicious. Delicious. Yes, Chef's kiss. Um Which can I just say, in, sorry, yeah, can I just it. say? Um Yeah, go for it. The one thing that FCE does really well is he has a lot to say in terms of like the meta narrative, talking about things that resonate in like our world. But he doesn't. He does it in a way where it's relevant to the character that brings it up. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like there are other TV shows and movies that shall remain nameless that have a really bad habit of completely stopping the story just to get that uh, scene where they're talking the about very something special episode, <laughs> something relatable to our society, and like trying to say something about it, and it's completely unnatural and it feels very forced. But in this, 
it's what's the, what's the example i'm kind of losing it here i'm trying to figure i'm trying to like run through my head go ahead and say the name of the show well if it is one <laughs> uh, recently i'm talking about like bridgerton because there's this there's this oh, moment I've in never, the show i've never seen it so it's not good um there's this <laughs> moment in the show where someone like completely stops dead in their tracks and they talk about how um in in those times it's hard for uh gay people to publicly love who they love and it comes out of nowhere and it's com- it's just done for ally points and it doesn't make any uh, sense but this no. is uh, this is what i'm saying the rice kitchen does is the complete opposite way because it doesn't completely stop everything and drops everything to just make this sort of general statement about how some things are fucked up in our world and maybe ways we can fix it this comes out as Natural. that but also it reveals something about Lex's character both like just in the backstory sort of way and a character sort of way and when you fulfill those two boxes it doesn't feel weird when when we take this time to sort of talk about stuff like that you know what i mean so it's it's the same thing when we're talking about um lauga and when he's talking about how governor tay is corrupt and he doesn't feed his people and stuff like that like we, we get that because Lauga is a person that is critical of corrupt officials and uh, powerful structures of society. Law. Yeah, he's been living outside the law, so it, For it makes really, sense. Really long time. <laughs> it makes sense because it it it's it's sparking a discussion about something that's in our world while also being something true to the character and also reveals something about the character and how they think about the world and stuff like that. So I'm just saying this is just a really good way. If you want to bring up something in your story like this, you have to do it in a way where it feels organic. And the best way to do that is to also have it reveal something about your character. So I just wanted to point that out. No, I love that. Thank you for doing that. Um, so back to Lex's tragic backstory. Um, after he got taken in by Jessa and Hark, he learned to earthbend and he swore he would never miss a target again. Lex then asked her if she ever considered that her parents had left her behind because the abiders would treat her better than they could. And then Kiyoshi says, he says to Kiyoshi that she was priceless because they were her blood and he was just useful and replaceable. So they both have issues. (laughs) Clearly. Yeah, which I think is a possibility that we discussed, you know, like mm-hmm. like maybe that they just didn't want Kiyoshi being raised in a world of crime. And to them, it, that world was worse than being abandoned. You know, I don't know. I'm not necessarily defending them, but it's just something that we did bring up, I think, from time yeah, to time. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. Um, and then Kiyoshi says that, well, I believe that you, as usual, are wrong and if her you know and she says that if her parents couldn't be with her then she was glad that they got that they got to be with him you know mm-hmm. very Aww. sweet and then he tells her that he's gonna go get rongi and then ask kiyoshi with like deadpan if he thinks that she, if she thinks that he has a chance with her and like <laughs> she's like what the fuck you're trying to steal my girl after all of this and then he bursts out laughing at kiyoshi's expression <laughs> he's like that's gotta be the face that you use for your avatar portrait i love and that. then she's like oh my god you know go soak your head or basically go fuck yourself like you know sibling talk and mm-hmm. he says sure thing sister that was the first time he ever called her sister and kiyoshi notices this uh, it's been established that we both love this family, uh, found family dynamic. I even love this dynamic more. The big sister and little brother dynamic is like completely <sighs> priceless. I love it. And I'm just scared of what's going to happen in the next chapter because it looks like everything's going to be okay. They killed this bad, bad person. Kayla, don't say and, that. <laughs> uh, sarcasm. It's not going to be okay, guys, for a little bit, I hope it's gonna no. be okay eventually but it's like oh let's take this one moment and now like of course like you know the inner is going like but guess what it's not gonna be okay right now uh, the next i hope i hope everything turns out fine i mean if if anything i just hope that they're still they're all still together by the end of the book that's all i hope just, for and i hope we get some sort of mission a possible group mission to open up the next book that's all i want <laughs> there's that oh man now i'm kind of scared but anyway that's the end of the chapter that is the penultimate section of the rise of kiyoshi we have four chapters left we have one more episode to dedicate to this book i am not ready are you ready i'm not ready no i am not um (laughs) i'm emotionally not ready but i'm also excited to see how everything just comes together because there's a lot of like there's still some loose ends that haven't been you know yeah 
tied Definitely. up quite yet. Like Jinju, the big, like, the big, well, the biggest Yun, loose end of them all. Where is he? Yun, that's right. That's still mm-hmm. loose and that hasn't been tied up yet. Like, oh my god. Well, I oh did. I did. I do have to say, I, my prediction did not come true about Jinju showing up at the raid. I definitely thought that's where things were going and he was going to show up at the most inopportune time, but that's not what well, ended up happening. Well, he might show up at the most inopportune time in the next, gen- next set of chapters. Yeah, I, t- I don't get the sense that that we've already had the climax of the story, but we still have a ways to go. And Four I'm just like, chapters. It's, I'm oh like, God, no, what's going to happen? Where it's, like, where it's like, you know, everything seems great and it's like there's still 20 minutes left of the movie or there's yeah. like, you know, four yes. chapters left of the book. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And you're like, oh no, what's going to happen? What are they um, going to do to us? How are they going to wreck us emotionally? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> But, I might just, I honestly, I might just read the next four chapters after we're done recording this. I was going to say, I really want to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. If I do that, I'm probably going to have to read the chapters again like next week just to refresh my memory. But yeah, I don't know. Um, like we text each other the raw visceral emotions going through carpet. <laughs> exactly. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, all right. So anyway, that concludes our chapter. recap. Let's move on to Phantom Corner. So this week's Phantom Corner comes from Facebook. And this is from one of our listeners, Jackie Hansen, and she writes that there's an interesting theory that the Fire Nation wasn't looking for Katara when they attacked the Southern Water Tribe. They were actually looking for Hama, who escaped. They knew that there was a waterbender. They probably thought Hama would have gone back to the South Pole, which is why when Kaya said it was her, they killed her so she couldn't escape again. I think I I always kind of assumed that they were looking for Hama. Instead of Kaya. I didn't, I'd never seen anything like any theories like that before. So I, I yeah, this I think, as, yeah, I think when, once we, once we got to the puppet master episode, um, and we get a, a flashback of what actually happened during the Southern Raiders episode, which is, I believe like a couple of episodes after the puppet master episode. But I think, I think, yeah, this is a very popular theory that I've seen going on. I I think I've just kind of like subconsciously accepted that they were actually looking for Hama and not for Kaya, Mm -hmm. which then begs the question was, uh, Kaya a waterbender to begin with? No. Right. I don't think, I don't think she was. No, I don't think so either. Cause Katara was the actual last waterbender there. You don't, I mean, I don't think you need, you don't need both parents to be a bender. Like, both parents don't have to be a bender for the kid to be a bender. You know, we see that several times. So, yeah. I, what? Where I, else do we see that? Pema and Tenzin. Because they have kids that are all airbenders. Pema's not well, a bender. Well, but Tenzin's an airbender. Yeah. Hakoda, I said you don't need both parents. Like, one parent could be a non-bender, but one parent is a bender. Right, but, it, but in, Kaya, in Kaya and Hakoda's case, neither of them were waterbenders. Really? Okay, I don't know. I thought I assumed that he did for some reason. No, Aww. he's not a he's not a waterbender, which is interesting. I don't know. And huh. Grand Grand isn't a waterbender, so it begs the question huh. of where Katara got that from. Hmm. Don't know. I don't know. Some uh-huh. long lost grandpa we don't know about. I mean, it's definitely he, uh, she didn't get it from Paku because they're not like related in that way. But I don't know. I don't know. Just something interesting to think about. Um, so moving the, on. Thank you for the fan theory, Jackie. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much. That was really cool. Um, all right, we're going to close on on here. If you would like to support us in the show and also receive some amazing benefits and exclusive content, you can subscribe to us at patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast. Um, real quick announcement for our patrons. We will not be doing Avatar After Hour this week because we are going to do that next week because it will be an Avatar After Hour talking about the rise of Kiyoshi in full and kind of reflecting on it and our Word final vomit. thoughts and also predictions for shadow of Kiyoshi. Um, so that will be our uh, avatar after our episode number two for this month. That'll be next Yay. week. But if you do want to listen to us talking about rise of Kiyoshi and kind of wrapping up that segment of the podcast, you can subscribe to us at the $5 air acolyte level and also have access to all of our other avatar after our episodes, which are super fun. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us to send in feedback about the show or just some content for Fandom Corner, you can follow us on social media channels, which is the at the Avatar Hour podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Avatar Hour on Twitter. And if you would like to follow me and Kayla personally, you can find me on Twitter at hey, it's underscore Andre. And you can find me at Kayla underscore underscore Gagnon. 
And that's it. So we have one more episode for Rise of Kiyoshi. And I, for one, cannot wait to talk about these last four chapters. And I am obviously cannot wait to see what happens next. Because I'm oh very apoplectic. And I want so to know much. what happens. So. <laughs> oh my god, I can't wait. All right. So we're, yeah, that's it, guys. We'll see you guys next week. My name's Andre. And I'm Kayla. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>